بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we continue once again with the beautiful names of Allah. Fiqul Asma'il Husna, Bashir Abdul Razak, Al-Badr Hafizahullah Ta'ala. Last week we covered another three names of Allah's beautiful names. We covered Al-Majid, the Glorious, and we covered Al-Shakir and Al-Shakur. Correct? We covered Al-Shakir, the Appreciative One, and Al-Shakur. Also the appreciative, or we said, or the, the grateful, or the most grateful. Um, tonight we move on to the next name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is Al-Halim. Which is Al-Halim. And again, this is one of the beautiful, beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which as we go through, we will see the beautiful effects of this name. And... How this name instills within us the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. Tayyib, Al-Halim means the forbearing. Al-Halim means the forbearing. And this name is found in a number of places in the Quran. For example, in Surah Fatir, verse 41, Allah Azza wa Jal says, Inna Allah yumsiku samawati wal arda antazula. Indeed, Allah holds the heavens and the earth lest they should cease antazula that they cease to exist so who's keeping it together who's holding it together it's allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if they should cease wala in zalata in amsakahuma min ahadin min ba'dih no one could hold them in place after him this is the qudra of allah this is only within the abilities and the power of allah innahu kana haliman ghafura indeed he is forbearing haliman forbearing and forgiving and we're going to discuss this ayah in a in some detail later on insha'Allah in another verse Allah Azza wa Jal says وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ فَحْذَرُوهُ and know that Allah knows that what is within yourselves so beware of him فَحْذَرُوهُ because Allah knows exactly what's happening with you you should beware be fearful of him فَحْذَرُوهُ be careful beware of him وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ حَلِيمٌ And know that Allah is forgiving and forbearing. Allah is forgiving and forbearing. Okay? That is at least two examples. There are other examples as well of the name uh, Al-Halim that is mentioned in the Quran. What is the meaning of the name Al-Halim? What do we mean by the forbearing one? Shah Abdul Razak, he says, he is the one who is not hasty. And not in a rush to punish his slaves due to their sins and the evil deeds. No matter how great or how minor, Al-Halim is the one who is not in a rush. He's not hasty to take you to task, to take you to account, into account. Understand? Rather, he sees within us all of these sins. He sees kufr. He sees shirk. He sees complete disregard for himself by his slaves whom he created and he sees all types of sin 
all types of oppression. Yet, what is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does? He's halim, he's forbearing towards them. And he grants them respite. And he delays punishment. This is a sign of forbearing. He doesn't take you, you know, swift, swiftly. We know Allah is sari'ul hisab. Swift to take account. Right? But does that mean that Allah does not give you a chance? It means that once your time runs up, then Allah takes, takes you into account immediately, swiftly. Before you realize it, it's over. Before you realize it, you can be destroyed. But the point is Allah gave you a chance and another chance and another chance. If you look at the past nations, think of the stories of Hud and Salih and Lut and all of them, Nuh, alayhim salam. How did the stories go? The Anbiya came, gave them da'wah. People called them names, people refused, people were arrogant, thought they were better, and so forth. Until it came to a point where they would tell the Anbiya, if you are truthful, tell Allah to bring his punishment. You know? Tell Allah to bring his punishment if you are truthful. But Allah was forbearing towards them. And so he gave them opportunities, and he delayed the punishment. Until it came to a point where they couldn't anymore. Where the Anbiya themselves said, Ya Allah, we, we've done as much as we can. We've exhausted ourselves. We are finished. There's nothing more to give. It's time that you destroy these people now. You know? And then Allah was sari'ul hisab. Immediately when the punishment came, it was swift. There was no escaping. Understand? So Allah is halim forbidding. He gives them an opportunity. With all of this sin, He continues to not just give them opportunity, but also to to bless them. And even in whilst living within sin, are we not being blessed? Are we not living within the mercies of Allah and the favors of Allah? Be it wealth, our health, our sustenance, and all types of luxury that we experience. This is out of Allah's hilm. Hilm. That forbearing nature of His. This is where it comes from. And still he delays their punishment and he continues to bless them and give them. Giving them enough time and opportunity to repent and to return unto him. This is forbearingness. This is the forbearing one. He gives them and he gives them an opportunity to change and a time to change and a chance to come back. Every time. And the same with us. This doesn't only apply to the kuffar. We can apply it in our lives as well. We make mistakes. We err. We make sins. We do sins. Right? And yet, we have the next day and the next day to, to come back to Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And this, of course, doesn't mean that we become people who are heedless and extremely lenient, full of hope, hopeful ones. Right? As the hadith says, وَلَا تَتَمَنَّوا عَلَى اللَّهِ Amani, and do not be hopeful in Allah, don't have wishful thinking. Which means, you just live a life of sin, because Allah is halim. Right? Allah is halim, is forbearing, so we'll change. You know? The point is, if this is your mindset, when is your time going to run out? How many of us knows when is our time to die? When is it our opportunity? When is Allah going to punish us? So this is not the way of the believer. Right? Yes, we know Allah is Halim, so we do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah. We know the doors of Tawbah are open, so we repent and we come back to Him. 
At the same time, we know Allah is also Sari'u al-Hisab, as we said, that if our time runs out, He will be swift to take account. So this is the balance that the believer has to be in, right? Between hope and fear. Between hope and between fear. Not too hopeful and not too fearful either, where he loses hope in the mercy of Allah. And this is the lessons that we get from these names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They keep us balanced because we know who Allah is. So on the one hand, we know Allah is Halim, but we also know the other attributes of Allah. That he is Shadeed al-Iqab and Sari' al-Hisab and so forth. We need to be fearful of him, Allah musta'an. So that's the meaning of the name Al-Halim. The Sheikh then mentions a number of points. And he mentions firstly that the Hilm of Allah, the Hilm. What does the word Hilm mean? It comes from Halim. Hilm means the, that forbearing nature of Allah. Understand? When we say the Hilm of Allah, we mean that forbearing nature of Allah, that forbearingness, if that's a word, the forbearing nature of Allah, Towards that kufr and sin that we are speaking about and towards all of the, the bad deeds and the oppression and the, and the zulm and the wrongdoing and so forth That hilm is with the knowledge of Allah It's not out of ignorance There's a big difference between the two Somebody can be overlooking a, a wrong out of his ignorance But with Allah he is well aware of what is happening And that hilm is out of the With the power of Allah and with the qudra and the abilities of Allah, not out of weakness or incapability or incapacity. No, the hilm of Allah is there. It exists with Allah's full knowledge of the sin that's happening. With Allah's full ability to strike that person for that sin. With Allah's full power to overcome that person due to his sins. Is this understood? It's not out of ignorance. This is the hilm of Allah. With all of his ability, he could have punished that person immediately if he wanted to. He had full ability. Full, he was fully aware of what's happening. And he has over enough power. Nobody can obviously come close or near to, to overcoming the power of Allah. And this is why Allah Azza wa Jal, He says in Surah Fatir, verse 44, This type of ayat often in the Quran. Do they not travel through the land? Awalam yasiru, have they not traveled through the land? Fayandru, and gone to see and checked and observed how was the end of those before them? What happened to them? Travel and see. Right? And what does Allah say? And those people before them were stronger than them, more severe in strength and power than them. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ but Allah is not to be caused failure. Nothing can overcome Allah. Nothing can be more powerful than Him by anything in the heavens or on the earth. Indeed, Allah is ever knowing and competent. Alim. He knew exactly what they were doing. And He was Qadir. He had full ability over them. And as powerful as they were, look at their end result. They could not overcome Allah. They could not overcome nothing in the heavens or the earth, Allah says. So they were given respite. They were given opportunities with the knowledge, with the abilities of Allah. But look at the end result. Understand? Allah was alim and qadiran. He was aware of what was happening. And he was fully able and capable at every moment. Yet we see the stories that they were given a chance. 
So that hilm of Allah happens with his knowledge, with his qudra, with his quwah, his power and his strength and so forth. It should not be understood that it happens. Allah is forbearing because he's unable or he, he, he's too worried to destroy us or he, we're too valuable to be destroyed. Right? A'udhu billah. This can never ever be the case. And we see the hilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We see the hilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, where Allah azza wa jal, he says in the Quran that had we been destroyed or had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished us وَلَوْ يُؤَاخِذُ اللَّهِ يُؤَاخِذُ اللَّهِ means what? The translation says impose blame. Was, if Allah were to take us to, into, an, into account, Allah were to punish us basically, بِظُلْمِهِمْ because of their wrongdoing. مَا تَرَكَ عَلَيْهَا مِنْ دَابَّةِ Allah says He would not have left upon the earth any creature. So for example, what is this ayah telling us? That if if it was because of our sins, and if Allah was to punish us immediately, if there was no hilm, if he was never going to be halim and forbearing, and he was to punish us, immediately Allah says, no creature would remain on this earth. مَا تَرَكَ عَلَيْهَا مِنْ Because all of us are sinful. وَلَكِنْ يُؤَخِّرُهُمْ إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّى And Allah, what does He say? He defers for them a specified term. Specific time for he delays the, the punishment or when they will be taken to task basically. And this is the hilm, this is halim. He allows the sin, he, he's forbearing towards the sin, even though it's, an, it's like an insult unto him. At times it's considered as zulm unto Allah, as we know with shirk, right? The hadith of uh, Mu'adh ibn Jabal, the Prophet said to them, uh, what is the right of Allah? Do you know what the right of Allah is over the slave and the slave's right is over Allah? And they said, Allah and the Messenger knows best. And the Prophet then said that the slave's right or Allah's right over the slave is that he is worshipped alone. And the right of the slave of Allah is that if he is worshipped alone, Allah will not punish them. That is the right of Allah. Oppression means to take the rights away. And that is what we call. Of course, inna shirka la dhulmun azim. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that shirk is the worst of oppression. It's an oppression. This is towards Allah azza wa jal. So he has every right to take us and to punish us immediately. But out of his hilm, he delays for us a specified term. فَإِذَا جَاءَ أَجَلُهُمْ لَا يَسْتَأْخِرُونَ سَاعَةً وَلَا يَسْتَقْدِمُونَ When their time comes, when their term has come, they will not remain behind an hour, nor will they proceed. Meaning, there's no delaying anymore. No bringing forth, no delaying, nothing. That time will be at that moment when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides that it is. So, halim, forbearing, we never lose hope. Never ever. But at the same time, we know that our time will come. So we do not become hopeful and wishful either. Right? And the shaykh says, Allah is forbearing towards the shirk, towards the sukhriyah mocking mocking of him mocking the deen mocking his prophets his malaika his awliya people who attack his deen day and night 
plotting against the religion of Islam, openly destroying and fighting the Muslims, and so forth. Allah is still forbearing towards all of this. And that's why the Hadith Qudsi, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says um, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, the, the son of Adam reviles me, and he should not revile me. And he disbelieves in me, and he should not disbelieve in me. As for his reviling me, it is that he says that I have a son. This is like, you know, belittling Allah. This is truly not knowing the greatness of Allah. And as for his disbelief in me, is his statement that I shall not recreate him as I have created him before. And this is what many of the kuffar said. They disbelieved in resurrection. And they would say, how can Allah bring us back to life? And the simple argument is, if Allah could create you in the first place, then you were nothing. Surely He can bring you back after you were something. That's basic logic. And the Quran mentions this logic. The Quran mentions this argument. Understand? And Allah regards that as disbelief. And they should not be saying such things. Right? But yet Allah is obeying towards them. In fact, in another hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Laysa ahadun aw laysa shay'un. The Prophet said, none is more patient than Allah against the harmful saying. We've spoken about this hadith before. Nobody or nothing has any more patience than Allah towards a harmful statement. Yani when somebody curses you or reviles you or swears you or belittles you, we require patience. Nobody has more patience to harmful speech than Allah. That's what the hadith is saying. And then it says, إِنَّهُمْ لَا يَدْعُونَ لَهُ Indeed, what do they do? What do the people do? They claim that Allah has a son. And again, to Allah, this is, this is the ultimate oppression. Right? The Quran says that the heavens and the earth will split and be destroyed by this statement. It will split apart by this statement. Just that statement that Allah has a son. That's enough to destroy those heavens and the earth and the whole of creation. That's how severe it is towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because it's, a, it's, it's the belittlement of Allah. They have not understood the greatness of Allah, the, the magnitude of Allah. And this is how they come upon these statements. But when, when they claim this, what happens to them? Yet, He gives them health and provisions. At the same time, even though this is disbelief, even though this is reviling Allah, this is the most harmful of speech, this is oppression of all, towards Allah, Allah provides for them and He gives them health. This is hilm. This is the work of who? Al-Halim. Forbearing. Tayyib, Allah's hilm was even shown to the biggest tyrant who walked this dunya. Who was? Fir'aun. Fir'aun. Right? Ana Rabbukum al-A'la. Firaun used to say, I am your Lord the Most High. That's the level he reached. You take any tyrant today, none of them will have the audacity to say, I am your Lord. Take any president, whether it's from Israel, whether it's from wherever, you name it. None of them will get to that point where they can tell you, Ana Rabbukum al-A'la. I am your Lord, telling the people, you need to worship me. This was Firaun. And we know the stories, there's no time to go into all of the details. So what happened was is, 
Musa alayhi salam was sent to Fir'aun to go and give him the message because da'wah needs to go out to him as well and Musa had a Musa had a stutter he used to stutter speech defect and Musa said that my brother Harun who afsahu minni lisanan he is more eloquent than me in his speech فَأَرْسِلُوا مَعِيَّ So send him with me. رِدَ أَيُّ يُصَدِّقُنِي Send him with me. You know, so that perhaps they will, they will then believe what, what we have to say. And Allah then said, I will then assist you and I'll send your brother with you. And the two of them were sent to speak to Fir'aun. Of course, they were full of fear, full of worry, going to speak to this tyrant. When they feared, Allah said to them, Don't fear, don't be worried. إِنَّنِي مَعَكُمَا أَسْمَعُ وَأَرَاهُ I'm with the two of you and I'm listening and I'm overseeing, I'm watching. Meaning my assistance is with you. And then eventually, one of the ayat mentions, this story is scattered throughout the Qur'an, different places, right? So in Surah Taha, verse 43 and 44, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the two of them, إِذْهَبَا Go both of you إِلَى فِرْعَوْنَ To Pharaoh, to Fir'aun, إِنَّهُ طَغَى Indeed, he has transgressed. He's the ultimate transgressor. And then the beautiful ayah where Allah says, فَقُولَ لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيِّنَا And speak to him with gentle speech. Speak to him a word that is gentle, that's soft, that's mild, that's not harsh or aggressive or authoritative. Speak to him a word that is لَيِّنًا which means a soft, kind, mild, lenient type of speech. Why? لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَّرُ For perhaps he may be reminded. Oh, yakhsha. Oh, he may, be, he may fear. He may then realize that he needs to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and stop these games, claiming to be the Lord. Subhanallah. And that ayah in itself requires a whole lesson. In terms of da'wah, in terms of our interactions with people, many a times we get worked up, many a times we get, you know, riled up, we're passionate. We want to defend the deen, we want to defend the sunnah. And in our response and in our um, demeanor, sometimes we, we, we are overly aggressive or harsh, that we belittle others. And, and the point in this is that the ulama have mentioned that if this was for Fir'aun, what about when you speak to a Muslim? We said Fir'aun is the worst of the world. Of all the kuffar, of all the tyrants, of all the oppressors out there, were they worse than Fir'aun? They were not worse than Fir'aun. So if this was Fir'aun for Fir'aun, what about a Muslim? You understand? What about a non-Muslim who is not near to the level of Fir'aun? So this is where we need to adopt this, this da'wah, which is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, teaching it, us, teaching it to us in the Qur'an. That is a da'wah with soft speech, with mild speech, lenient words. لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَّرُ So that people may actually be reminded. The moment you come across harsh, you come across harsh, people will, they will leave you. Right? And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this in the Qur'an as well, to the Prophet that, if you are going to be harsh with the people, then فَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكَ They will rush away from you. They will move away from you. Nobody will remain with you. 
ولو كنت فضا غليظ القلب لنفض من حولك سوره القران said if you are going to be someone that's harsh غليظ القلب someone who's hard hearted you know he's aggressive he's harsh he's, he's straight to the point and finish without listening to people without giving them opportunity without discussing with them with good speech they will nobody will remain with you and this is the Quranic da'wah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us directly. Then we still have the examples of the Prophet and so forth. And there are many other ayat, Ud'u ila sabili rabbika bil hikmah wal mawa'idhatil hasana wa jadilhum billati hiya ahsan. Invite to the way of your Lord with hikmah. Hikmah means firstly with knowledge, Quran and the Sunnah, and also with wisdom. Wal mawa'idhatil hasana with good advice and speech and admonishments. And when you discuss and debate, you bring that which is better. You debate in a way that's better. Understand? And Allah knows best. So that's, a, as we said, that's an issue on its own. And it's of utmost importance that as Muslims, as people who are trying to follow the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah, the way of the Salaf al-Salih, this is what we need to adopt. Is that we have that patience with people. And that hikmah and that soft type of speech where we can listen and respond kindly and appropriately with proofs, with evidences, with hikmah and so forth. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding and make us of those who do da'wah in the appropriate manner. Ameen. And forgive us for our shortcomings that we've all had and that we will have. Allah, not make us of those who turn people away from this deen. Ameen. Rabbil Alameen. Tayyib, the shaykh then mentions that Allah's hilm was also shown towards those who claimed he had a son. And again, we said this was the ultimate zulm. Allah mentions this in the Quran. Allah speaks about those who say that Allah is a third of three, the Trinity. Right? Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He invited them to stop. Right? And Allah said, and there is no God except one. And if they do not desist from this, meaning from stopping this, this type of belief, what they are saying, they will surely afflict the disbelievers among them a, pa- a painful punishment. And then Allah said, أَفَلَا يَتُوبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَيَسْتَغْفِرُونَ Will they not repent to Allah and ask His forgiveness, seek His forgiveness? وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ And Allah is forgiving and merciful. Look at the context of this ayah with the previous ayah. What's it telling them? That if you stop this and you repent, you make tawbah, you come back, you seek Allah's forgiveness, Allah is ghafoorul rahim. He is willing to forgive them. And this is the hilm of Allah. With, with all those statements, Allah is a third of three. If you think about it, you know, we've studied a number of Allah's names and attributes. If you think about the greatness of Allah that we've learned, and somebody says Allah is a third of three, is this not insulting? Is this not the ultimate ignorance? This is truly belittling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yet Allah says to them, if they came back, Ghafur Rahim. Tayyib. Um, Allah's hilm is also seen in his preservation of the heavens and the earth. And this was the ayah we mentioned in the beginning of the chapter, where we said we will discuss it in detail. Wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna Allah yumsiku samawati wal arda an tazula, that it is Allah who holds the heavens and the earth, and lest they cease. It's him that holds it together. And if it were to cease, none after him would be able to. Hold it in place. Indeed, Allah is haliman, forbearing, and ghafura, forgiving. 
Look at, take note of how Allah ends this chapter. Haliman ghafura. How does it fit into the ayah? How does Halim fit into this verse where Allah says that He is holding this, this creation together, heavens and the earth, lest it should cease? Meaning if Allah stops, it's going to collapse, it's going to fall within, it's going to cease to exist. It only exists by the will of Allah. But Allah mentions at the end of the ayah, Halim and Ghafura. And what did we say? When we skip the end ayahs like this, it, it, it's a context. And those, those names... They have to be applied to the ayah. And they, there's, a, there's a connection between them. So what's the connection in this case? Those who are returning to remind Okay. Khair. <coughs> Imam Ibn al-Si'idi rahimahullah, he mentioned on this ayah. That in this ayah, Allah firstly speaks about his qudrah, his perfect abilities, holding it together. Nobody else has this ability. He mentions his rahmah, that this is out of his mercy. He mentions his hilm and his forgiveness, that forbearingness and his forgiveness. Again, how does it fit in? It fits in like this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is holding this earth and the heavens together. He's keeping it intact. With all of the kufr and the shirk and all of the major sins that's happening throughout the heavens and the earth. In the heavens you've got the jinns for example that's traveling up there, eavesdropping. In the earth we know all of the facade that's happening. <coughs> and it only gets worse and worse and worse and worse. If you were to think, what's, what's happening in this dunya right now? Is there more good or bad? Is there more good people or bad people? Are there more believers or disbelievers? The reality is there's more bad happening in this world, right? With all of the bad that's happening, Allah out of his hilm is keeping it together. If Allah wanted, he could have destroyed this dunya and this heavens in one go. Why? It's deserved. With all, it's, the majority of what's happening is sin and evil and bad and corruption. But out of his hilm, he's holding it together. And at the same time, he is ghafuran. Meaning, that the moment those people come back to him, with all of that sin that's happening, the moment they repent unto him, he is willing to forgive them. And this is how this, 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 these two names fit into this ayah. Allah could have ended this ayah and mentioned his power. For example, he could have said, Indeed, he is over everything competent and able. He's speaking about his abilities. But look how he ended the ayah to remind us of his hilm and his maghfirah. Subhanallah. Tayyip, the end of the chapter, the Sheikh mentions that the name Halim is also um, connected to many other names in the Quran, like we just mentioned now, Ghafura. Also, Allah connects it to Halim. Or Alim, sorry. Halim with Alim. For example, in Surah Hajj, verse 59, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, <coughs> And he connects it with the name Ghani, which means what? What does Al-Ghani mean? The free of need, Ahsant. The free of need, the one who is self-sufficient. What does Ash-Shakur mean? Huh? Grateful, fair enough, yes. We said grateful or appreciative, 
right? Ashakur. Allah connects that name with Ashakur and Al Ghafur. We've discussed this now, the forgiving one, right? Allah has connected the name in different ayat of Halim to these various names. And what do we get from this? What we get from this is that Allah's Hilm is connected to His knowledge of all of creation, exactly what's happening, every bad deed, every sin, nothing's <coughs> hidden from Him, yet He is Halim. <coughs> Allah's Hilm is connected to His, Him being Ghani, His Ghina, the fact that He's self-sufficient. Meaning what? He's not in need of them. He's not in need of us. No sin is harmful unto Him and no good deed is beneficial unto Him. At the same time, He is still Halim to us. So that Halim, that Hilm happens even though Allah is Ghani. Even though He doesn't need us, He's forbearing towards us. Even though we don't harm Him or benefit Him, He's Halim towards us. Allah's Hilm is also connected to Shakur. Him being appreciative that He accepts everything from us. No matter how small, and He magnifies our rewards. And so forth. this is part of the Hilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's connected to his ghafoor, his, his maghfirah, which we spoke about just in the ayah before this, that part of his hilm is forgiving. He's not just forbearing, he's also hoping to forgive us at every moment. Understand? And this is the greatness of his hilm. The greatness of his, his, his hilm as halim, the forbearing one. Are there any questions on this? No questions? Tayyib. We move on to the next two names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is Al-Haq and Al-Mubeen. Al-Haq and Al-Mubeen. Al-Haq means the truth. And Al-Mubeen is the, the manifest. Al-Mubeen is the manifest. Tayyib, as for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name, Al-Haq, then this name is found in the Quran in ten places. This name is found in the Quran in ten places. For example, in Surah Hajj, Allah says, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ That is, because Allah is the truth. وَأَنَّ مَا يَدْعُونَ مِنْ دُونِهِ الْبَاطِلِ And that which they call upon other than Him, is باطل, is falsehood. وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْكَبِيرِ And because Allah is the most high, the most grand. Also Allah says, فَذَلِكُمُ اللَّهُ رَبُّكُمُ الْحَقِّ For that is Allah, your Lord, الْحَقِّ, the truth. فَمَاذَا بَعْدَ الْحَقِّ and what can be beyond truth except dalal, except error, or wrong, or misguidance? So how are you averted? Ten places, that's two examples. The name Al-Mubin is found in one place in the Quran. The name Al-Mubin is found in one place in the Quran. In Surah Nur, verse 25, Allah Azza wa Jal says, يَوْمَ يُوَفِّيهِمُ اللَّهُ دِينَهُمُ الْحَقِّ وَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقُّ الْمُبِينَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقُّ الْمُبِينَ On that day, Allah will pay them in full their deserved recompense. And they will know that it is Allah who is the perfect in justice. Or that He is Al-Haqq and Al-Mubin. That He is Al-Haqq, the truthful, and Al-Mubin, the, the manifest. Okay, Al-Mubin, the manifest. The meaning of the name Al-Haqq. The meaning of the name Al-Haqq is the one in whom there is no doubt or uncertainty. Allah is the truth. There is no doubt surrounding Him or regarding Him. Not in His essence, in His being, and not in His names or attributes. There are no doubts regarding Allah. Not in His uluhiyya, His divinity, the fact that He is the only one worthy of worship. There is no doubt in this. 
He is the truth. His names and attributes are truth. His actions and speech is truth. The religion, his religion, his legislation, his sharia, his deen is truth. His akhbar and his information that he has sent to us, his promise, his wa'd and his meeting is truth. And the meeting of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is truth. Shall we pause here and then end of after Maghrib? Insha'Allah. Tayyib wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen. Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Uh, Tayyib, alhamdulillah, we're continuing from before Maghrib where we left off. We just about started the next two names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is Al-Haq and Al-Mubin. Al-Haq and Al-Mubin. And we mentioned some of the ayat where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the name Al-Haq. We said it's found in ten places in the Quran. And we mentioned the ayah wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, speaks about and mentions his name Al-Mubin which is found in one place in the Quran in Surah Nur verse 25 then we said that the meaning of the name Al-Haq the meaning of the name Al-Haq is that the one there is wherein there is no doubt the one in whom there is no doubt regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no doubt at all not in his essence not in his names or attributes not in his uluhiyya or his rububiyya his divinity, his uniqueness in worship, that there is none worthy of worship except him. There is no doubt in this, in the Lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he is Al-Khaliq, Al-Raziq, Al-Mudabbir, Al-Malik. There is no doubt in any of this, Jalla Jalaluhu. So he is subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is Al-Haq, the truth. And his names and attributes are truth. His actions and his speech, they are truth. His religion, his sharia, his legislation, is truth. And we said that his information that's found in the Quran, his promise and his meeting is truth. And this was attested to by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Whenever he would make, or when, or often when he would make qiyamul layl or tahajjud, he would start the salah with a dua. He would start the qiyamul layl with a, with a praise for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he would say, Allahumma laka alhamd, anta rabbu samawati wal ard, laka alhamd, anta qayyimu samawati wal ard, wa man fihin. Laka alhamd, anta nuru samawati wal ard. And then the shahid, the point of this uh, hadith that the Sheikh is mentioning, qawluka alhaq. Where the Prophet then would say, your speech is truth. Wa wa'aduka alhaq. And your promise is truth. Wa liqa'uka haq. And your meeting that will take place is truth. Well, Jannatu Haq. And Jannah is Haq. Wal Naru Haq. Wal Sa'atu Haq. That the fire is truth. And that the hour that will be established is truth. And then the Prophet then made dua and he said, Allahumma laka aslamt. Oh Allah, and to you do I submit. Wa bika amant. And in you do I believe. Wa alayka tawakkalt. And in you do I put my trust and my reliance. Wa ilayka anabd. And towards you do I turn in repentance. Wabika khasamt. And towards you do I turn in matters of dispute. 
wa ilayka hakamt and i seek my laws and my judgment from you faghfirli ma qaddamtu wa ma akhart forgive me for that which has passed and that which will happen wa asrartu wa a'lant that which happened in secret and that which happened in public anta ilahi la ilaha li ghayruk you are my ilah you are my 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 diet my deity my my god that i worship and there is no ilah other than you okay that's the full translation of what we what uh, what we mentioned that hadith is in bukhari that's something to learn a dua and a praise for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when the prophet sallallahu opened up his qiyamul layl like a dua al-istiftah right the opening supplication that we say in salah in salah this was mentioned in qiyamul layl specifically طيب, the meaning of the name Al-Mubin. The meaning of the name Al-Mubin. Sheikh Abdul Razak, he says that Al-Mubin is the one who clarifies or manifests for his slaves the straight path. The one who makes the straight path <coughs> clear. He makes it clear and apparent and manifest. This is Al-Mubin. And he manifests and makes clear for them the righteous deeds. A'malu saliha, by which they will be rewarded. And he also makes clear for them the sins and the evil deeds by which they will be punished. This is one of the meanings of the name Al-Mubin, the one who makes things clear and manifest. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُبَيِّنَ لَكُمْ وَيَهْدِيَكُمْ سُنَنَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ وَيَتُوبَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ Allah says, Allah wants to make clear for you that which is lawful and unlawful. وَيَهْدِيَكُمْ and guide you to the good ways and the good practices of those who came before you. And he wants to accept your repentance. وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ And Allah is knowing and wise. So this is one of the meanings of the name. Al-Mubin, the one who clarifies, who makes things manifest. Also from the meanings of Al-Mubin, is the one whose affairs are manifest. And everything about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is clear and manifest in regards to his uluhiyyah, his divinity, his uniqueness in worship. Everything about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also clear. This is similar to the, to the name Al-Haq. And everything about him is true and everything about him is also clear. So he is truly Al-Haqqul Mubin. And this is found in the Quran in Surah Nur. وَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقُّ الْمُبِينَ These two names are mentioned like this together. And then the Sheikh mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned many different types of evidences and proofs in the Qur'an that proves that He is Al-Haqq. That serves as an evidence that Allah is Al-Haqq, the truthful one, or the truth. For example, when Allah says, Allah says it emphatically that that is because Allah is the truth. And whatever is called upon from besides Allah is batil, is falsehood. And because Allah is the most high, the grand. So what are the evidences that we have that Allah is al-haqq? Allah states it in this ayah that he is al-haqq. Whatever is called upon from besides him is batil. The shaykh then mentions 
some of the evidences that proves that Allah is Al-Haqq. That proves that Allah is Al-Haqq. For example, when we speak about the Lordship of Allah, we speak about Allah's Rububiyyah, Him being the Creator, Al-Khaliq, Al-Raziq, the, the Provider, the Sustainer, Allah being the Owner of everything, Al-Malik, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being Al-Mudabbir, the one who is in control and the one who manages everything and all of the affairs. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about this in the Quran, قُلْ مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَمَّنْ يَمْلِكُ السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبْصَارِ وَمَنْ يُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيِّتِ وَيُخْرِجُ الْمَيِّتَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ وَمَنْ يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرِ فَسَيَقُولُونَ فَسَيَقُولُونَ اللَّهِ They will say Allah. فَقُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ What does this ayah mean? Who is the ayah addressing? Say أي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم Say to who? To the people. مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Who is the one who provides to you from the heavens and the earth? And who controls the hearing and sight? And who brings the living out of the dead and brings the dead out of the living? وَمَنْ يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرِ And who arranges every matter? What will the people say? فَسَيَقُولُونَ اللَّهِ And this is the, the, the kuffar, the, the, the mushrikeen would respond and say, It is Allah. So even they agreed on these points that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is his actions and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does and there is nobody else that can possibly take care of these affairs. So this is already proof number one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-haq. That he is the truth because there is nobody who can create like him, there is nobody who can provide like him, arranges the affairs and so forth. There are many other examples of the greatness and the lordship of Allah. This is one example of this which proves that Allah is Al-Haq. Also the Sheikh says that Allah mentions that He is the only one that responds to those in desperation. That who is the one who responds to the desperate one when He calls upon Him. And who removes that evil? That hardship, that, that difficulty. وَيَجَعَلُكُمْ خُلَفَاءَ الْأَرْضِ And who makes you inheritors of the earth? أَإِلَاهُمْ مَعَ اللَّهِ Allah then asks the question, Is there a deity with Allah? أَإِلَاهُمْ مَعَ اللَّهِ Can there be another one that does these actions? Is there another deity like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? قَلِيلًا مَا تَذَكَّرُونَ Little do you remember. And this is another evidence that Allah is al-haqq. Because nobody can remove that hardship except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody responds to the call of the desperate one, the mutar, when he calls except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Along with that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions that he is the one who benefits and he is the one that harms. There is no benefit except by the will of Allah and there is no harm except by the will of Allah, right? And this is something that is of utmost importance to understand, that harm and benefit is in the hands of Allah. Many a time the reason people fall into shirk is because they don't understand 
that all of goodness and benefit and all of harm and evil is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so instead of saying, Ya Rabb, they say, Ya Wali. Or they go to the Qabr and they seek help from the Qabr. Or to the Karamat, as we call it in Cape Town, or to wherever. Instead of realizing that all of that harm can only be averted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all that benefit and goodness that you are looking for can only be gained by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Say to them, then have you considered what you invoke besides Allah? If Allah intended me harm, are they going to remove that harm? This is the question. Ask them, those whom you call upon, if Allah intends some harm for me, are they going to come and remove the harm? Can they possibly remove the harm? They can never remove the harm. In fact, the Hadith Qudsi says, if the entire Ummah comes together to harm you, they will never be able to harm you, except if Allah decrees that for you. And the same when Allah says, uh, if He intended me mercy, are they going to withhold His mercy? Allah wants goodness for me or for you. Can any of those false deities come and prevent that mercy from reaching us? This is the question that's being posed. Say to them, Hasbi Allah. Say to them, Hasbi Allah. Sufficient is Allah for me. Alayhi yatawakkalul mutawakkilun. Those who put their trust, those who are wise and put their reliance, they put their reliance in Allah. Knowing that harm and benefit only comes from Him. Knowing that those out there, nothing can harm me, nothing can benefit me, illa bi'ithnillah. So where do I put my trust? Where do I put my reliance? Whom do I turn to? Allah Azza wa Jal. There's none worthy, that, no one deserves my trust, my tawakkul, my dua, my supplication, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a proof that he's al-haq. Because he, he, he manages the harm and the benefit, the good and the bad. It all comes from Allah. This is a proof that he is Al-Haq. Allah mentions his names and attributes that we've been going through week in, week out. The names of Allah, that is already enough as a proof that Allah is Al-Haq. And we don't have to delve into this point. Because we've been going through these names and seeing the power and the beauty and the value in these names. That is sufficient as a, as a proof that Allah is Al-Haq. Because nobody else is deserved and contains the, the beautiful names. وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى The Asma'u al-Husna belongs to Allah and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Also Allah, when we think about His favors and His bounties, وَإِن تَعُدُّ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا And if you try to enumerate and count the blessings of Allah, you would not be able to count them. Again, it just takes a little bit of reflection and to think of all the favors and the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is enough again as an evidence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-haq. And the Shaykh mentions, we should return back to Surah Nahl. Surah Nahl, as he says, many of the ulama refer to it as Surah, Surah Al-Ni'am, the Surah of favors, when Allah mentioned many of his favors. So that's a good Surah to go back to, go read, go reflect over it, 
and you will find many of the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the surah that he has bestowed upon us. Point number six, the Sheikh says that he informs of, of, of his precise his, his precision in his creation, which is there to benefit us. If we look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, and the way he has created this world, and the way he has created us in the best of forms, this is also a proof that he is al-haq. One example, Allah has made the earth a place of settlement. And the sky has a ceiling. And he has designed you and fashioned you in the best possible form. And he has provided for you with good things. That is Allah your Lord and blessed is he Lord of the worlds. This is again one example. If you look at the way the Samawat were created, the way the earth was created, the way the mountains were placed, the way the oceans were placed, all of this, the way it works and the way it revolves and the way it functions, this is a proof for the creation of Allah. Allah says that the creation of Allah which He perfected, He perfected everything. And again, it takes us to sit and reflect, to think, to ponder, you know, to think about it, and you will see the signs of Allah. And you will see the perfection of Allah, and that's the proof, the, 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 the proof, the dalil that Allah is al-haq, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the truth. The last point the shaykh makes is that the tawaghit, the false deities, those who are called upon and worshipped from besides Allah, Allah speaks about the incompetency and how weak they are. And their inabilities. And an example of this is found in Surah Al-Hajj where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya ayyuhal nasu, duriba mathalun fastami'ulah. O mankind, O people, an example has been presented, so listen to the example. Fastami'ulah. Inna alladhina tad'una min dunillah. Indeed, those whom you call upon from besides Allah, lay yakhluku dhubaban wala wijtama'ulah. Take all of the false deities out there that is worshipped from besides Allah. Allah says if you brought them together, they would not be able to create a fly. If you brought all of them together, they would not be able to create a fly. And to add to that Allah says, If that fly were to steal something away from them, no matter how tiny, no matter how small, they could not recover it from him. If you think of the fly, it's one of the most weakest and insignificant of creatures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. If that fly sits on your food and it takes something away, can you possibly get it back? Can you possibly get it back? It's impossible. No matter what technology you have, no matter how advanced we become, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, You'll never get it back. Not just us, your gods that you worship, they'll never get it back. Whether it's the awliya or salihin, whether it's the malaika, whether you're worshipping a stone, whether you're worshipping a tree, 
whatever it is, it will never get it back. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, طَالِبُ وَالْمَطْلُوبُ Weak are the pursuer and the pursued. Everything is weak. That God, that fly, everything is weak. Except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ This is why they ended up in shirk. Because they did not understand the greatness of Allah. The status of Allah. And this is how they ended up going to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And seeking help or assistance or protection from other than Him. Jalla Jalaluhu. So this is a proof that Allah is al-haq. Because who can create anything like Him? Not even the fly can we create. Even if we all came together. So this is a proof that Allah is Al-Haq. Are there any questions? Ta'liqat, Sheikh Fawad. Fawad, Sheikh. No questions? Khalas, so that's, that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names, Al-Haq and Al-Mubeen. Next week we'll do Al-Qadir, Al-Muqtadir and Al-Qadir. And then Al-Wadud, inshaAllah, the affectionate one. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك صلى الله عليه وسلم محمد